Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. And we're back on the College Football Survivor Show. Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. Shahan joining his own podcast here after appearing as a guest on Ralph Russo's Associated Press College Football Podcast. So I'll just start here with the question everyone's wondering, Shahan. Who do you like better, me or Ralph? <laughs> um, you know, it's a tough question. Uh, sorry, which one of you guys can help my career more? I, I don't. Uh... That would be the national writer for the uh, association that covers the entire world. <laughs> uh, then I would say I will pass. That is a great answer. <laughs> I Ralph Russo has been the college football writer for the AP for a very long time. And I've sat next to him in, in press boxes many, many times. So I would pick Ralph. He's a fine <laughs> fella. He's not as angry as me. He doesn't shout as much as me. He's interesting without being off-putting, which is not something I've been able to zero in on yet. So you're allowed to say Ralph, but we do want to direct people to that. What'd you talk about with Ralph on that show? Because people just love themselves some Shahan. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, when it is Big 12 season, my phone goes crazy. People are, <laughs> I'm, I'm the guy. People who want to get on their podcast to talk Big 12. So now I got to talk about my experience of Big 12 Media Days, kind of help preview the Big 12 a little bit, the four coming in, the two leaving. Uh, you know, it was, it was a good time. It was a good time. I made a, a Thanos reference on the podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah. I don't know if that's typical at the Associated Press. So, you know, I guess, uh, you'll have to check it out. So you could guys can go find that, uh, Shahan and Ralph Russo. We're going to talk about some big picture stuff here. We're going to talk about just the future of the 12 team playoff, which starts next year, as you guys know a little bit, future of realignment, some things that are happening because we're vibing again on college football, right? Things are happening live. As we record this, this week, SEC media days are underway. Big 12 happened last week. Big 10 happens next week. Shahan, you were at Big 12 media days. Uh, you're tiktok now. People, as usual, are acknowledging your uh, drip. Of course. Your swaggy is all get out. And can you just take us through some of your experiences at Big 12 media day and how many coaches specifically commented on and praised your attire from the podium? Yeah, yeah, it was two. It was two. Steve Sarkeesian stopped me, uh, which I was I was thrilled. That means that Steve Sarkeesian has not uh, read my tweets or listened to my podcast. <laughs> and that's probably better for everybody. <laughs> but uh, and then oh. Joe McGuire, who like I know pretty well because he used to be an assistant at Baylor and he's a Texas high school guy. And I was at the Texas high school magazine. So like, uh, obviously, we have a good relationship. So it was two. It was two. You know, we'll, we'll try to pump up those numbers heading forward. Uh, I, I will say the first day I, you know, I, I wore the nice shirt that Steve Sarkeesian commented on. But then Jalen Daniels came in, the Kansas quarterback, with a chain that played his own highlights. And I was like, I am underdressed. And so the next day I was like, why don't I bring out just like the bright pink suit and try to like overcompensate? So it worked. It worked. I didn't even have to ask a question of Joey McGuire for him to shout me out in the audience. So not too bad. Wow. I can imagine you walking around Big 12 Media Days with a necklace that plays you talking 
a cut from this podcast talking about how when you were 17, Bleacher Report made you write for free. And it's like, <laughs> oh, man, Shahan's got his highlights. It's like, wow, that's the best of Shahan right on the Apple Watch necklace right there. But did other people note that or did you feel like you owned the I have my own highlights on my necklace story at Big 12 Media Days? <laughs> so I I think I did a good job with it. Uh so Kansas's football account tweeted it out, and that's kind of where it first sort of exploded. But I think that since then, I have largely owned that story. Nice. So, you know, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, yes, I, I use it to make my first TikTok content because sure why not let's let's try stuff again in yeah. this media world you have to be multi-platform these days i will say i again i haven't really made tiktoks before i did notice that when you record a video in your like camera app the sound quality is like notably worse than when you record in the tiktok app which was very oh. so the the audio on it wasn't great I don't know. I'm very confused. I guess this is why yeah. people have like the trend of where they like use that weird tiny microphone or whatever whenever they're talking. I guess it actually does matter. And I don't have AirPods. I have PowerBeats and the mic is not as good on PowerBeats as they are on AirPods. So this has been a conversation of uh, of making TikToks on the College Football Survivor Show. Yeah. No, it's very important because soon all journalism will just be TikToks. So people need to know this entire podcast will just be 75 TikTok videos. Unironically, I have been like, should we be, we maybe should be doing that. Like we maybe like unironically should be dropping clips as TikTok videos, but like that's what podcasts are doing these days, but I, know. I don't care enough to do it. So Oh, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Great. That's not my job. I don't work so for this company. That's true. If people don't know, like our I work for the company that makes this podcast. Yes. And they were like, let's have a co-host. And I said, I've heard a guy talk for six minutes and he seems smart. Let's get him. So we got Shahan. So I then like have to send this thing off to the producer and I have to do other things like within and Shahan just comes in. He's the constant guest star. He's the like, <laughs> he's the guy at the end of the credits that and with Shahan J. Haraja that like you had, you hold out for, <laughs> I want my thing at the end. So he just tr comes in, drops knowledge, has drip and leaves. So yeah, then I have to make the TikToks for the college football survivor show. Okay. So I did want to talk about the vibe at big 12 media days because I feel like college football is is good, and I want to talk more later about is there anything we're worried about? But here we have a conference that is preparing to lose Texas and Oklahoma. It's two biggest brands. Texas and Oklahoma are there for this season, and then that's it. They have already added four new brands, and by brands, I mean teams, and I'm already talking about it wrong. They're football teams. They're not brands. Everybody is not a TV rating. They're an actual living, breathing collection of humans who play football. They're not... AI robots on a stage who were created to make content. They're human beings. They added four new football teams. Brett, your mark. Did I get his name right? You did. See, that's how well the Big 12 is doing. Podcast hosts are even pronouncing the commissioner's names correctly now. Did you feel like the Big 12 was vibing at media days? Is there optimism? Is there hope? Are they excited about the future 
And is if they are now, it's their marketing day. It's their we're presenting ourselves to the world. They're not going to be moping around, being like, I "Can't believe Oklahoma's leaving." If they did present it that way, did you buy it? Because I think the Big Twelve is a good lens right now for how people are feeling about their future college football. Because the SEC and the Big Ten are adding, and the Pac-12 is just in absolute flux. Right, We can't get a read. You can't look at the Pac-12 and feel like that gives you a view of the future of college football. I think you can look at the Big 12 like that because they're losing. They're also adding, but they're not planning on going anywhere. What was the vibe? Yeah, it's a great question. And what I'll say is I was honestly – let's let's put Mike Gundy to the side for one second. We'll get to him in a second. Outside of Mike Gundy, I was surprised. And honestly, like kind of pleasantly surprised at how little Texas, Oklahoma drama talk there was like, okay, Brett Yormark, which is kind of like, we're going to celebrate them this season. We're going to thank them for their, uh, their contributions to the conference. And then bye. like that, that's kind of what he said. Like he was not like, we're trying to shove them out or we're trying to do this or that. Like, I think he was asked would he prefer that a uh, a team that's not Texas Oklahoma win the conference? And he's kind of just like, I don't care. Like, it's not really, I, I don't care. It's not really my place to care about that. And I, I do believe it. You know, when I went around and talked to other coaches, talked to other executives, talked to other schools, obviously this was such a unique year because you don't just have Texas and Oklahoma as lame ducks, but you have four new schools coming in as well. And I think that really dominated the conversation more than anything else was the fact that the new big 12 is here. And I've been very upfront. I think that there are zero teams in the continuing big 12 that have a chance to win the national championship. But I think that the big 12 sort of gets that too. And they know, look, if we try to go head to head in a traditional way, with Alabama versus Georgia when our game is Baylor versus TCU, we're going to lose, obviously. And I think that they have sort of, one, accepted who they are, accepted where their place is in the sport, accepted what they can accomplish. And I think that that gives them a lot more freedom to say, how can we accomplish it? And I think that stuff like that was very much on display at Big 12 Media Days. They They really showcased their coaches and their personalities and their players' personalities. And I think that they just, it, it was just a more, even compared to other Big 12 uh, media days that I've been to, it was a more fun event. It was more of a light event than I feel like we've had in a little while. And it, look, everything sounds good until one new person gets an SEC invite or one new person gets a Big 10 invite or somebody else wants to put like, Maybe this is just a moment in time, but I think that the unique position that the Big 12 has with their 12 is that this is kind of it, right? This is what they're going to be. There aren't necessarily conferences looking to steal. I don't, I I mean, they're going to consider expansion. I, I don't think it's going to be something that happens very soon. My read on it is unless they can get an existing power five team, they're not going to bother at this point. And so they're kind of like, this is what we got. Let's go. And I felt like that vibe existed throughout a lot of media days. So let's talk about, I have some questions I want to talk about. Let's talk about what we think the future of conferences and realignment will be. Because a couple of years ago, even maybe last year, 
maybe with the announcement, I guess, of USC and UCLA moving, I really thought we were headed towards two, that we were going to divide the sport in half. It's going to be the SEC jumbo-sized and the Big Ten jumbo-sized, and then everybody else would wind up being, you know, be the power two, and then everybody else, it doesn't mean those teams don't play football at the high, you know, at a at an FCS, at an FBS level, excuse me. It doesn't mean that they can't make the playoff, but that it would just be a little bit of a sideshow. And I think I've, I don't believe that anymore. I think it'll be more like they're, the SEC and the Big Ten are the top two, but there's a pretty strong third conference. And then we get to that point. And I do think it's not necessarily dissimilar of, what we think about with Major League Baseball right now, that you think about, for instance, the AL East with the Yankees and the Red Sox, and now the Orioles are good, and the Rays always find a way to be good, even though they don't have any money, and like the AL East is tough. And then you think about like the NL West, and the Dodgers are always spending a gazillion dollars, and and then the Padres are spending a gazillion dollars to try to keep up with the Dodgers. But it's not like the AL Central doesn't exist. The Guardians and the Tigers and the Royals and the White Sox and the Twins exist. They acknowledge that they are not competing in the same way on the same level as the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Padres and the Astros and the teams that have all the money, right? But they don't vanish, and it doesn't mean they can't win the World Series. They're at a disadvantage. It doesn't mean they can't make it. It doesn't mean they can't win it. And it doesn't mean that along the way they don't celebrate getting into the playoff. They won their division, even if they only won 86 games to win their division, you get to go in and take your shot. If we get to that point, Shahan, where the SEC and the Big Ten are the Yankees and the Dodgers and everybody else is still trying, and it's like, well, I mean, are they really going to win it? No, probably not. 19 times out of 20, your champion's going to come from the SEC and the Big Ten. But with the expanded playoff, new goals, different ways of defining success, I would think we get to two big ones at the top, a healthy Big 12 that has absorbed a couple people, and then I don't know what's going to happen to the the ACC. I don't necessarily believe we're going to get to a point where like the Pac-12 and the ACC make some kind of double coast conference or something. But, But I think there will be more room for people, but we will still really think of it as a big two. What do you think? So, uh, first of all, this is the first I'm hearing that the Orioles don't suck. I had no idea about that. No. Uh, oh, no. I have uh, one of the guys on my fantasy baseball team, so I knew that they were good. I think what they did is they stunk for like 20 years, sure, and then sure. they just got all the draft picks. And now all Long the draft con, picks are yeah. like 25 years old at the same time, and they all got good. <laughs> um, also, Giants fans are punching air right now that you put the Dodgers over them as the the team from California. That's really good. So you know, there's that. But the Dodgers have Mookie Betts. But the Dodgers have Mookie Betts. Oh right. Are the Giants right. good right now? I don't know. I just told you that I don't know who the. Well, let me ask real quick. Yes. Do you not follow baseball very much? I do not follow baseball very much. Yeah. I used to love baseball and now I don't anymore. So I don't follow it very much. <laughs> Although anymore. they might be uh they might be getting me back. Um one, I'm going to be a dad, and so like I feel like that's just part of the, the deal is that you have to watch baseball now. And two, the game is faster now. So that seems good. It is. So did can we can we interrupt you about conference realignment to discuss this, which I don't think we've discussed on the pod? You and your wife are having a baby. 
We're having a baby. Yes. Yes. How exciting is that? How's the family feeling? Oh, man, it's it's crazy. It's uh, I mean, I still kind of feel like, you know, there, uh, so we're on TikTok a little bit and like we keep getting these TikToks that are like, oh, no, I'm having a teen pregnancy. Wait, I'm 29. And that's what it feels like. Like, it oh, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just feels like uh, it, it just feels like uh, am I uh, am I at this point? But no, everybody's really excited. Everybody's really happy. Uh, we managed to get the whole family together in California back last week. And so we were all able to be happy about it together. And uh, yeah, man, it's 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 crazy. It's it's really weird and crazy. The, the funniest thing for me is like, I don't know how exactly this happened to where I have like, well, well we could talk oh, about that. <laughs> no, oh, that's not, what wait, I mean. not that part. Uh, but like, I, I like have had such a like, normal pathway like where i got married at 25 and now i have a kid on the way at 29 and it's like that doesn't seem like something that happens anymore and it's it's just very weird to and and i'm a freaking sports writer so we'll we'll see how that goes but uh but no it's it's great we're very excited and uh yeah And, and the baby is waiting until late January to be born, which is perfect for me. It's after the national title game. That's what you think. <laughs> that might not be what the baby thinks. Just as a heads up. Baby might be like, oh, it's this halftime of the national title game. I think I'm coming now. So just that can happen. You know that. Okay. So <laughs> maybe it'll be like last year and the game will be over anyway. Yeah. Oh, right. That would be great. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks, TCU, for making uh, my birthing process easier because you're down by 40. So everything's coming up, Shahan. And so we're going to throw a wrinkle in your life before we talk about conference realignment next on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Doug and Shahan back. I'm the College Football Survivor Show, and I'm not actually announcing this to Shahan live on the air for the first time, but this is my last College Football Survivor Show. And I have, we've been doing this. We created this national show. We wanted to do a playoff show that really focused on the playoff, and we went out to find the best co-host we could find in America, but that person wasn't available, so we got Shahan. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we found, we struck gold with Shahan Jeharaja, who is a rising star in college football coverage and uh, my decision as a as a fading star well fading exploding planet black hole in the college football Supernova, universe i don't know my genius move is to leave shahan rather than strapping myself to shahan for the rest of my career and being like i hope this guy can drag me into retirement uh i am leaving and so this show as you know it and have come to know it is not going to be around, but there is a plan being worked on to maintain it, perhaps reinvent it a little bit, perhaps with Shahan at the steering wheel. We don't exactly know. So if you are subscribed to this feed, don't unsubscribe. Keep it here and something might be percolating. We don't have a final answer for you right now, but... I am going to somewhere else because I want to keep doing something like this, but it's like a different opportunity, similar but different, that I couldn't pass up. 
uh, as you, a lot of you know, I do an Ohio State podcast five days a week. I still do some writing at cleveland.com and this national show, and I love every part of my job. This national show is in addition to that. We do a national show twice a week. So ultimately the idea for me, and it's not going to be instantaneous, but is to go somewhere where I can focus, put my the brunt of my focus into a national show, into a national type show that you will be able to find me. So you will find me. I have a weird French name. Like if you Google me or you put me into Twitter or whatever, you'll find me. I'm still going to be around doing some Ohio State stuff this season, but that is, I'm going to do something else and throw all of my energy into that because, Shahan, I think what we have done here has opened my eyes. It's been super fun. I'm proud of what we've done. And so I kind of want to lean into that idea a little bit as much as I can. And also, I'm just holding you back at this point. I'm just dragging <laughs> you down. I've got to, I love you. So I've got to set you free, man. And so um, you were like, hey, I'm having a baby. And I was like, hey, I'm leaving. And it was like, oh, do you need any more flux in your life? So sorry, man. But, and, and I love our audience. And I'm so appreciative of anybody who's listened once or listened a hundred times. But this version of what we do here, this is the final show for that. And it makes me sad. No, it's it's very weird. You know, it's <laughs> this has been a very hectic uh, off season for me, right? Obviously, I've had a pregnant wife that I couldn't tell anybody about for like 10 weeks. And, yeah. uh, you know, obviously we've been traveling a lot. We've been uh, all three of my siblings and my wife's siblings combined graduated from college this year. So we have been running all over. And then Doug is like, by the way, uh, I am leaving. And so it's definitely a, definitely a sad day. Definitely not something that I think we expected heading into this month. But, uh, but like Doug said, I mean, sometimes you get opportunities. I will say, I, re- <laughs> I remember when we started the show that, uh, Doug was like, you know, we started doing this. I was at Dave Campbell sex football at the time. And he's like, I keep thinking like one day you're going to call me and be like, hey, so I'm actually switching jobs and I have to leave the show after. And then like six weeks into the show that happened, I got the job yeah. at CVS and thankfully I got cleared. I was able to do it. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess you're getting me back for that now after all these years. I will say and I want some credit for this. Let's be clear on this. We hired you when you were nothing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was like, but for real, for real, it was, we were on our Football Writers Association of America, All-American call. We were discussing like who should be on the All-American team. And, and I had never met Shahan. I didn't know who Shahan was. And I'm sure Shahan didn't know who I was. And we were just talking. And then we started, we having ideas for the show. And it's like, we want somebody who's in a different part of the country, right? I'm a Big Ten guy. And we need somebody from the SEC or the ACC or the Big 12 or the Pac-12 or something. And I was like, I'll tell you what, there was this guy in Texas. And so we got in touch with Shahan and you were at Dave Campbell's Texas football. And I thought like, this guy's maybe going to pop. And then it was like, oh, now, by the way, so like we got in on the ground floor when you were working for a Texas football magazine. And then within two months, you you were a national college football writer at a major, major college football website. And it was sort of like, well, that's it. 
he's gone. And then you were allowed to keep doing it. So it was so great for us that we got you when we did and you were able to do this and that you wanted to do it, that you weren't like, you didn't big time us. You weren't like, okay, um, I'm at CBS now. Doug, Doug from Cleveland. No, I'm not doing the show. You're like, no, I'll still do it. So that was great. And I did. It's also a little bit weird, just so people know. I was like, hey, let's only talk about playoff teams because who cares about anybody else? And Shahan was like, well, I care. <laughs> and so it has been a little incongruous for Shahan as someone who loves the UTSA football well, They're going to be a playoff loves, team. We're moving to 12. Yeah, Come on now. Who loves talking about Texas Tech, who loves every aspect of college football from top to bottom to focus on a playoff show has been something that maybe it's not the way you would have designed a college football show, right? Let's really focus hard on the playoff. But your expertise still oozed out of this podcast on every single episode. So it's been great for me as someone who just can absolutely rely on your breadth and depth of knowledge to be like, oh, I, yeah, we gotta, we're going to talk about uh, – Cal UCLA on this show. And I'd be like, I don't really have to know that much about UCLA. Sean will handle that part. So like, that's been great for me. And uh, it's been great for the audience, man. No. And I think it's been great for me that uh, Doug has to do the actual planning of what we're going to talk about. And I basically just come on here and I'm like, let's go. I'm ready to go. And uh, I will say, I do take issue with one thing that you said I had heard of you. And that's because when I won an FWAA award back in 2021, Doug's name is printed on it because he hey. was the president at the time. So and that's how I knew I you. was. Uh, they've done surveys. I am the worst president in the history <laughs> of the FWAA. Well, I'm the COVID president. Yeah, you have to oversee the pandemic. And I just basically closed my eyes and waited for the pandemic to end. And then when it when it was over, they were like, your tenure's done. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Who do you think you I are? Kevin awful. Warren? Yeah, for real. I am the Kevin Ward of FWAA presidents. Uh, so anyway, we're so appreciative to this audience. I think we have a mix of people who maybe know me from Ohio State and the Big Ten, who know Shahan from Texas football as a state and the Big 12, and then also people around the country who just found us. And so you made this show possible. And there is a plan for it to try to continue, but like it, there won't be an episode next week. <laughs> so <laughs> like, stay tuned, and hopefully there will be an update down the line of what is happening potentially on this feed with this show, maybe with Shahan J. Haraja and somebody else. So that's what we can tell you right now. We don't mean to leave you high and dry but it just has been like a lot of moving parts once this thing. And that's why we wanted to get the conference previews done. So we gave you your five power conference pre previews. Hopefully that'll get you to the start of the season and then we'll see what happens here. So that's why we're talking about the future because Shahan and I aren't going to be talking about the future or the present of college football twice a week anymore. When you think about where conferences are headed, I sort of outline what it feels like to me. What's it feel like to you? No. So look, I think that the four-team playoff has put such an outsized influence on the national championship specifically. And, I mean, again, a team like Ohio State has been so good for the last decade and, quote-unquote, only has one title to show for it. Uh, a team like uh, 
you know, TCU or Baylor, obviously they would have had multiple playoff appearances in a 12 team playoff, a team like Florida State, uh, obviously the entire Pac-12, I think you could argue in some ways. And that's what excites me about this new world is, look, there's going to be some teams that have advantages. I think Georgia and Ohio State and Alabama are going to win a lot of championships over the next decade in a 12 team world. But I think that the conversation changes pretty dramatically whenever we do take a step back and have an expanded playoff because it's not just about, you know, cause, cause in a four team world, it was so much about like, well, we don't even want to talk about you being in if we don't think you can win the national championship. And by the way, we only think there are three teams that can win the national championship. So it basically meant that if you weren't talking about like three teams, then people did not want to talk. And yeah, I think that that's actually one thing that's been fun about this podcast is I think in some ways we have started to reframe the playoff discussion and the college football national discussion. And the final form of this is the 12 team playoff where six conference champions get in, where there's going to be 15 teams battling for some at large spots, I would argue. And so all of a sudden, a conversation that was seven teams suddenly is going to be 30 teams. And for a lot of programs, making, for example, the NCAA tournament is huge. That is like so big for that program. And if you are in the conversation to be in the NCAA tournament, that is a successful season. And I think that's going to shift how we think about college football too. Being able to be in that range of making the college football playoff for a lot of programs is going to be a dream season. We talked about Minnesota a couple weeks back, right? In 2019, they would have had a chance to potentially make the college football playoff in a 12-team world. And that would have been an incredible season. That would have been unbelievable. And they would get a recognition on the national stage because of it. And so I like the fact that there are more incentives heading forward than there have been these past couple of years and more rewards than there have been these past couple of years. And so, look, the top two are going to be the top two. And frankly, I mean, we talk about the top two. There's a one and there's a two. The SEC is one. The Big Ten is two. Obviously, money-wise, it's going to be closer than that. But competitiveness-wise, the SEC has been, over the past decade plus, just another planet from everybody else. But it's going to be the SEC one. It's going to be the Big Ten two. I think that there is much more space for the three, the four, the five, even the six in this expanded world than there has been for a little while. And uh, again, I I look at the Big 12 and the exciting, fun stuff that they're doing to bring people who don't care about this conference to come and watch this conference. And it's stuff that I think is transferable whenever you talk about a Pac-12 long-term, an ACC long-term, even a middle to lower class of some of these other conferences long-term. And uh, so, you know, life finds a way (laughs) in some ways. Mm. And uh, I think that college football is starting to find a way to. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. And that is one of my regrets here is that we launched this when we thought the 12-team playoff was going to start two years ago. It's like, hey, it's gonna be, let's make a playoff show for the 12-team playoff. And they were like, hold on. So we're not going to be doing this version of this pod with the two of us in the 12-team playoff world. The conversation is going to be great because, as you said, when you have a 14-team playoff, you wind up talking about 12 teams all year. 
When you have a 12 team playoff, you're going to want to talk about 25 teams all year. And that's going to be awesome. And there's going to be games in September where it's like, hey, this mattered, but it did knock somebody out, but it did help somebody a lot. And hey, this this Baylor TCU game is really going to matter because the winner is absolutely going to be in the mix for a playoff spot. And I do think it's going to expand the conversation of college football. And, you know, again, I, I don't know. We called the show the college football playoff show at the start until they uh, were going to sue us. So then we changed it. They just sent a cease and desist. Not nah, they didn't threaten a lawsuit. So we changed it to the Survivor Show. But I really do think, and of course, other people talk about the playoff. But I don't know that there's another show that said we're talking about the playoff year long. That's the whole thing we talk about. We don't talk about money. We don't talk about NIL. We don't talk about teams off the radar who could maybe win. T- like we talk about teams that are going to make the playoff. That's what everything's going to become to some degree, because. There's going to be so much more opportunity. It's not going to be limiting. You're going to be able to talk about so many teams within the context of the 12-team playoff. I We definitely have discussed this before, but on what is our final episode together, the 12-team playoff is good for college football. Like, what percent true is that? Is that 100% true? Is there a part of you that's like, yeah, it's 80% true, but it's 20%? I don't know. Is it 50-50? What do you think? Well, I, I think that we have to start with the context that nothing is perfect and that everyone was really excited about a 14 playoff and there have been some really good parts about it and there have been some really bad parts about it. And we've gotten to see the whole spectrum of things over the last couple of years. And so I think, though, that it's, I do think it's going to be like 80% good for college football because the things I like about it most is we talk about the idea of opening up the playing field, of having more relevant teams, having a bigger conversation. Um, I think that the idea of upsets is going to be a lot more common than people think, even for some of these really, really top end teams. I mean, Georgia just won two titles in a row and also probably shouldn't have played in the title game last year. They probably should have lost before that. And, uh, you know, TCU, they just beat Michigan. I, I feel like we've just like as a society decided to erase the fact that TCU beat the Big Ten champion, but that's a whole other conversation right. for another day. And like, that's going to happen sometimes. Well, actually, it's it's not for another day because there are no more days. Oh yeah, that's true. There's so no more days. You, yeah. If you want to have it, have it right now. <laughs> no, and, and so I think that Georgia and Ohio State and Alabama specifically are so overwhelming whenever they are going. And I don't think that anybody else is quite like that and i think there are other teams that can compete with those top three it's not everybody and so there are going to be years like if you asked this georgia team or even the last year's georgia team to play three games of the caliber of ohio states like maybe they lose i don't know maybe they lose i think that's going to be exciting to see teams lose sometimes that we didn't expect to lose that's basically eliminated right now in college football because everything is about setting up your richest and most powerful teams to have success and i think that's going to change in a 12 team playoff the other thing that i love about it we actually have incentives for winning conference championships that should matter you have a pathway to play yourself into the college football playoff, no matter who you are. Technically, we can even go down to the, you know, to Conference USA or the MAC. And like, if you go undefeated, you're going to give yourself at least a chance to have a chance to play for a national championship. So the sport is now a 133 team sport. Now, 
look, we don't have to pretend that it's the same pathway, that it's going to be as easy for everybody, but like it exists now. And if you are a, you know, a a mid-tier SEC team, if you are a mid-tier Pac-12 team, you know what you have to do when the season starts. And the answer isn't be completely perfect and beat every single individual team. You also can win your conference championship. You also can be right on the cusp of this stuff. And I think the fact that we are rewarding conference championships is getting back to what's good about college football. And you mentioned baseball a little bit earlier. Like I said, not I'm not a big baseball person, but you you talk about the divisions having different parts, but even people who aren't the great teams, even the teams that aren't in, in their divisions, like people still go and watch their games and really care about and love their teams. And it's because it is a local product. And I think that conference championships mattering outside of the Big Ten sending Rutgers to L.A., I think that that is going to be something that's huge. It's why I think that it's very important that we have a robust West Coast conference in like the Pac-12, that we have a robust Texas-based conference like the Big 12, that we have an Atlantic Coast conference, because the champion of these regions is going to get to play for something more. And I think that is really exciting. Eight of the 27 playoff games so far have been decided by 10 points or fewer. Only eight of 27. Mm. And particularly some of the early blowouts. The first six semifinals outside of the amazing Alabama-Ohio State game. The other first three years of the playoffs, it's basically five other blowouts in the semifinals. And... Now we've started to see like the two semifinals last year was awesome, but then the national title game was a blowout. So I think that I don't want to say it was a misperception because it was true in the moment, I think. And I think that uh, and it certainly it probably affected me because I was not a broad in the playoff guy right from the start. I definitely am now. But I think the sport has already risen to the challenge. And so I think when you when you look at Washington making the playoff once and getting blown out. When you look at Michigan State making the playoff once and getting blown out. When you look at Notre Dame making the playoff twice and really not competing, particularly in the semifinals. When you look at these circumstances, it can feel like a four-team sport. You look even at Oklahoma. Oklahoma is great at offense and terrible at defense. And at the the highest level, they really can't compete. We've just done, Jahan, five conference previews. And yes, Georgia is Georgia. And yes, Bama is Bama. And yes, Ohio State is Ohio State. But I feel like the gap is closing. What Florida State is and should be, what Washington and USC and Oregon at the top of the Pac-12 are and can be, what TCU was last year, what Kansas State still can be, if Texas ever gets it together, what Michigan has become, what Penn State could be, what maybe Wisconsin could be. I feel like the sport, I don't know, It's. I think it's just coincidental timing, but somehow In anticipation of a 12-team playoff, it feels like we're going to have 12 teams that deserve to be in. In a world when sometimes in the four-team playoff, it felt like we couldn't even get the four. (laughs) And so I think it's a little bit of the Bama ceiling possibly coming down slightly. And I would imagine there are some Bama fans listening to this saying, like, you're questioning our ceiling. Look out. Angry Bama's angry Bama. Saban, Saban, they're awesome. They just lost a lot of talent. We'll see what happens. Georgia has been doing its thing, but it's on one hand, you can look at Georgia and be like, they're invincible. On the other hand, you can look at Georgia and be like, if 
John Mechie and Jamison Williams didn't get hurt the year before, and Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't get hurt last year, Georgia wouldn't have any titles. So, and I think you can look at Florida State and Washington and USC and Michigan and Penn State and feel like those teams, I think, potentially are significantly better than the Michigan State team that made the playoff and the Washington team that made the playoff than the Ohio State 2016 team that got blown off the field by Clemson. So I don't, I don't know why that is. I honestly don't. It doesn't feel like it's actually connected to the expansion of the playoff that Mike Novell was like, oh, cool, they're going to a 12 team playoff. Let's get good. That's not what they did. Let's try to get a feel like, yeah, what do you think? USC was like, well, it's 14 playoff. Why even bother? Yeah, it's fine. Keep Clay Helton. They're like, oh, 12 teams. Let's get Lincoln Riley. That's not why it happened, but it is what happened. And I do think. The transfer portal, when we've gone through how many teams have experienced starting quarterbacks, but how many of them, a third of them, half of them, aren't experienced at their current school, but you put the Indiana quarterback on Washington and you have something. You put the Auburn quarterback on Oregon and you have something. And you start doing this throughout the sport where teams that are good but had holes can patch those holes. Maybe it's hurting the bottom. It's helping the top. So we think Oregon State is a legit national title contender. Having Clemson's old quarterback certainly helps that. So this idea, I I feel like the 12-team playoff is going to be amazing because the sport has coincidentally risen up to meet the challenge. And when we got done with this five-conference preview, Shahan, my my number one thought was, I wish we had a 12-team playoff right now because it would be slamming this year. Because we can absolutely find 12 teams that we would say, yeah, they're good enough. I want to see them in a game that matters at the end of the year. And I don't think we would have been there in 2016. No, I agree. And I think that you talk transfer portal. I think that's a significant part, being able to fill holes to being able to also, I think, in some ways, raid depth of these top end programs in some ways, too. Uh, I think that NIL plays a major role in it, right? You all of a sudden, I mean, the thing, I've talked about it before, but in 2022, you have Texas A&M sign maybe the greatest defensive line class of all time and basically put them in in a shed in the middle of the desert and say, what if Alabama and Georgia didn't get to have all the best defensive linemen in in the class? And all of a sudden, well, like, Alabama the past couple of years has not looked like an Alabama defensive line. Georgia just graduated their great defensive line and lost the guy who maybe was going to be the centerpiece of their next defensive line in Bear Alexander. And I'm not saying that Georgia's going to be done or anything like that. That's obviously ridiculous. But I think that it was much easier for Nick Saban to accumulate talent when he was the only one who was really doing it like that. And that's not the case anymore. Uh, you see programs like Texas a you see programs like Tennessee, you see programs like USC, you see Miami and what they've done over the past little while. And like, I think that it's, whether it was on purpose or not, I think it's democratizing the sports. And I think the other part of it too, that we have to keep an eye on is now that we're in a 12 team playoff, there was a time not that long ago, where if you were a top 25 national football recruit and you wanted to go to a place and develop and play at the highest level, you had to go to three to five schools. 
And I don't believe that's the case anymore. You know, obviously it's our last one together. I have to bring up a Texas kid. There is a wide, there's a wide receiver recruit named Micah Hudson from Central Texas. And Texas really wants him, like really, really wants him. He has offers from everybody. He's rated by uh, the top 247 rankings as the number two wide receiver in the country behind Jeremiah Smith. And Texas Tech is probably going to land him. Like he, they're probably going to land him. And that's insane. That is not something that would have happened in 2018. But if you're Texas Tech, obviously, like he does have ties to Texas Tech. I believe his dad played there. But, like, you couldn't even make a good enough case that you should come to Texas Tech anyway, even with that. Now you can say, look, we're going into a new Big 12. One, you'll be able to kind of put your stamp on things and say, I am co-signing this program. Now, everybody else, come on over. And you will have an opportunity to compete for a Big 12 championship. And if you compete for a Big 12 championship, you'll have a chance to compete for a playoff spot. And if you have a playoff spot, you have a chance to play in games that matter, that people are going to be watching and compete for a national championship. So I think this is all a win-win. I mean, I, I, I think back to last season, right, where I've covered Max Duggan since he arrived at TCU. And all of a sudden, in the Big 12 title game, people around the country were like, oh my God, this dude is a baller. This dude is a workhorse. This guy is so exciting. And I'm like, I've been watching this guy all year. But people are just now realizing because they didn't tune in. Well, people are going to have to tune in to more of these types of games when more teams are competitive for a playoff spot. And I do, yeah, I do like that idea that, hey, Michigan fan, you probably should watch the TCU-Baylor game because Michigan might get the winner of that game in a quarterfinal. Yep. Right. And that's going to be a very realistic thing, which is just not how we thought about the sport before. And I do think we went from an era where bowl games really mattered and bowl games were a, a really good way to judge crossover and conference strength and your bowl record mattered. And then we got to the opt outs and really it was often more about playing young guys. And now I think we'll get it back where it'll, it'll be the best postseason that college football has ever had. It's just some and some basic stuff, even for the future of the sport that, you know, Nick Saban and Pete Carroll Nick Saban at Alabama and Pete Carroll at USC were coaching college football at the same time for four years, but it was sort of like Saban was just getting Bama rolling and USC the last year was leaking a little bit before Pete Carroll left. It's like, we haven't seen Bama and USC good at the same time. And Georgia hasn't been this version of Georgia since the early 80s. And what if Texas gets back to the point they were, you know, in the Mac Brown era where they're a legit contender every year and michigan michigan hasn't won a national title since 1997 what if michigan is the best it's been since the bo Beckler era and what if penn state gets back to a point to where they were in the mid 80s at the best of joe paterno i think there's opportunities here what if mario cristobal gets it going at miami and what if mike dornvell gets florida state back to that it's hard for every i think in the history of college football it's hard for everybody to be good at once because when somebody goes up somebody else has to go down in the 12-team playoff world, there's more room for everybody to be up. And what if there's a legit national power in the state of Florida, a legit national power in the state of Texas, a legit national power in Southern California, one or two legit national powers in the Midwest, and we know the SEC is going to be the SEC. Let's go! Because whenever we had that before, we got to the end of the season, it was like, ah, who do you think's better? It's like, I don't know. There's some guy at the bar 
who only watches his team, but he has an AP ballot. <laughs> Could we ask him? And he's like, oh, did, uh, did that team win its bowl game? I don't know. And then they voted for somebody. <laughs> so we have a chance for legit national powers in every corner of this country who then will play each other. Yes. So I don't know, man. Like, I think we're entering, we're entering something we've never had before that hopefully can incorporate the best of all these different eras of college football without destroying what college football is at its heart, which is a regional sport where you care about the program that's in your backyard that you grew up watching. Maybe you went there and you love them every Saturday, no matter what. And you kind of want them to beat the school from the state over, right? That we can retain a chunk of that, elevate it, and then play national powers against each other with a quantity and a quality and a stage that we have never seen. Somebody really should do a playoff show about that. What am I doing? Okay, I don't know. It's sad. So I'm excited for it. When we come back, I want to talk about anything that worries us about the future of college football. And then at the very least, I am going to make a national champion pick for this year because I owe you guys that. We'll do that next on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. All right, Shahan, one of the other reasons that I wanted to, you know, I think we wanted to do a podcast like this is I don't know about you, but I like talking about the sportsy parts of sports. I don't like talking as much about the economic business side of sports. Maybe there are other people who are like, you know what? I don't really care who wins, but how much TV value does that program bring to a conference? But when you talk about the future of the sport, that's where you kind of go a little bit, because I don't know that anyone's saying like, "Ah, I'm worried they'll run out of talent. What if nobody knows how to block anymore? I don't know. That's not what we're worried about. What would worry you that, say, five, ten years from now, college football isn't as fun as it is now for the fans primarily, but for the players, for the universities themselves? Obviously, I mean, it's just I don't think that's the way you design it now, but these football, they're the front porch, man, they matter a lot to the like the lifeblood of a university but mostly for the fans, like, is there anything that you worry could make it less cool? So this isn't just a college football trend. This is kind of a sports trend that I'm looking at and kind of worried about, which is that I think it is a good thing that athletes are seeing themselves as brands and businesses more than ever before. But it really feels like over the last five to seven years, we've reached a point where almost the brand becomes bigger than the athlete per se. And there's such a focus on like protecting the brand that we're seeing players opt out, players not want to play, like almost like players not wanting to play sports the same kind of way. And I don't want to sound like an old man about this, right? Cause like, look, if you have an opportunity to change your family's life, like, you probably need to do what makes sense for that. But it has come, I think, at the expense of competition, at the expense of getting to see these guys do the thing that people love to see, right? To see them be entertainers. And, you know, I mean, look, congratulations to to Kenny Pickett for, for, you know, getting to the point that he was at. But like the fact that that dude didn't play in the Orange Bowl 
Like Kenny Pickett, who's played five years of college football? Come on. You know, that's ridiculous. Pittsburgh has never been in that position before. And it sucked to see them struggle while he was just standing there on the sidelines chilling. And I think he was honestly kind of uncomfortable with it. And and I get it. Look, nobody wants to be a Jalen Smith, right? Who loses so much money because they get injured in a game that quote unquote didn't matter. But like, again, <laughs> it's, it's sports, man. It's fun. It's supposed to be fun. You're supposed to be able to enjoy this stuff. I'm hoping that maybe we can have a little bit more direct compensation, maybe through NIL or things like that to where guys are less incentivized. But I mean, we're having this conversation right now at the NFL level with running backs. That's kind of been the big thing on Twitter the past couple of days, which is essentially like, why are we paid as low as we are? And people are basically like, well, what you should do is you should, you know, if you're Bijan Robinson, you should play one year and then sit out the next two so that when you get to the NFL, you have tread left on your body. And like, I mean, that might be a smarter investment, frankly, but like, what is this sport? If we don't play it, if we don't get to enjoy it, if we don't get to watch it and it's complicated because I don't think there's an easy answer, but I just like I I even think things like, man, you're not competing at pro day, like you're not throwing at the combine like it just it's it's football. We should get to play football, you know. So I I do know what you're saying. It's, It's weird that the sport is what gives you value and then your the value is so important that one of the ways you protect it is by not playing the sport and it's like how did we get here and it really is probably if you had more of a holistic you know there's not minor league baseball players opting out of games they're not like i'm in double a but i'm i'm sitting out until i get called to the majors because there's a holistic process where you're paid you're developed you're part of an organization. It's in everybody's best interest for you to play and grow and do your best and you're compensated. And then the better you get when you get to the, the higher up you go, the more compensated you get. So that is kind of the thing that worries me is the the lack of holistic nature to the sport. And that for so long, athletes weren't compensated and i think it would be fair to say that they were taken advantage of in quotes how you know i know some people push back against that hey you're getting a free education you're getting a great opportunity that you know the rest of us mere mortals would love to get so whatever it is that they get weren't good then come being, on now yeah they weren't a being the structure of the system did not allow them to maximize their value in every in the way that you know in a capital capitalism that everybody else got to do it so Now that we're punching through that, sometimes I feel like there are people around the sport and in the sport who are sort of thinking that now the answer is every single player at every single moment should be allowed to maximize his or her value no matter what. And that means they should be able to transfer at will as often as they want. That means that you know, maybe uh, I don't know if we get to the point that you're not going to play unless you're competent a certain way. And like NIL, I think long term shouldn't work the way it is. And a lot of college power brokers want national legislation. And really, it should just be that the organization itself should be able to police it. And then people will say, well, that's not fair. You know, that states are trying to pass laws, right, to say, like, well, we don't have to listen to the NCAA. What if what if the NFL had a salary cap and the state of Missouri was like, Hey, salary caps are illegal. The Chiefs can spend whatever they want. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Right. So competitive balance, a structure of a sport that values competitive balance in some 
way, shape, or form. There's more balance in the NFL than there is in Major League Baseball. But everybody has structures. Everybody has rules. Players can't do whatever they want to maximize their value every single second. Players have contracts. Teams have rules. Leagues have rules. And I think that is good for the sport. And I would worry that a free-for-all in NIL, a free-for-all in the transfer portal would not cripple the competitive balance, but whenever people – it's they, the players have not had that freedom for so long that I wonder if we'll go sort of too far the other way that you're a college football player and you play for three different teams in three different years, or if you get a better NIL deal, you might transfer in the middle of the season. And that just seems crazy to me. Or that some teams – will go so far on NAL that if there's some booster who loves his team and says, I'll give $100 million for NIL stuff, and everybody else is like, well, like well, what does that mean? And it's like, I know it's sort of like the Yankees and the, and the Twins, but I also don't think Major League Baseball is the best structure for a sport, right? I do think some kind of salary cap and floor and way to organize stuff. So I don't think it'll happen, but sometimes I do worry, Shahan, that like the utmost absolute freedom for players at all costs would potentially damage the balance of the sport. And you can't pretend that the balance doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that the players shouldn't have rights and that the players shouldn't be compensated. But the frickin' NCAA, the incompetent NCAA, needs to be able to provide a structure that works for everybody involved, which probably means a player's union and collective bargaining and all those things. But maybe we'll have to go so far the other way that it kind of does screw up the sport. And that's what will make the, the universities and the athletic programs say, you know what, we rather would pay them and bargain it and create a structure because it's so wild right now. I don't necessarily think for sure we'll get there, but I think about it. No, and I think that one of the big complications, right, is this idea that right now, obviously, there are 133 teams in FBS. and even more, right? Another 150 or so, uh, maybe a little less than that in FCS. And they're all division one teams. They're all governed under similar rules. And there are five conferences that are called the autonomy five that are able to use different levers in order to have slightly different rules, but that hasn't really been used before. And so the question just becomes, right? Like if you're doing it through this, uh, like with with the way things are right now, where collectives are primarily doling out NIL, there's such an overpaying of the top guys and undervaluing of the middle guys and the lower guys. And, you know, what, for example, right, in the NBA, there's a maximum salary. And it's because having LeBron James is worth so much more than having average player X that, like, it's... If if there was a $200 million salary cap, and let's say that we're in LeBron's prime and it's a hard cap, some team would happily pay him $170 million of that because he's worth so much, not just from a playing perspective, but from a branding perspective. And I get that. But like the NBA has decided it is not actually a good thing. And this, by the way, is something we see in baseball, too, where like there are two or three guys on a roster who are making like $40 million and everyone else is making like one8 and, you know, not that I'm I, I don't think that there's any implicit issue with that, but like, I don't think that money is being spread in a particularly efficient way because, yes, it's a free market, but it's also just like 
it's so much about leverage and it's so much about this and that. And, you know, there are players who will jump into the portal every year because they know that their school will have to overpay to keep them around. And, you know, I think that long term, the answer is having contracts with stipulations. And maybe you can break contracts after a certain amount of time, but you can't do it in November. You can't do it for certain reasons, right? You can't try to negotiate more up. Now, again, this gets into a much more big existential thing of then, well, then do colleges have to have employee protections for for students and uh, and for athletes? And obviously, this is so big and and frankly, a lot bigger than what we can get to on this show. But I don't think it's palatable long term. I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think that we benefit from the idea that. And I don't think players, frankly, benefit from the idea that they can leave at any second and be tampered with 24-7 and all this and that, and that nobody will do anything. Because you look at pro sports, this is not how it works. You are not just able to tell a kid, come on over, it's, you know, a random Tuesday. There are specific periods that you're allowed to do that. There are specific times and stipulations that are baked in where you're allowed to have contact with people and when you're not. And one way or another and like you said it probably has to be collectively bargained in some way we have to reach that point because this is not this is not a serious operation right now and we know that pro sports those rules are broken all the time but at least the rules exist to try to try to contain it to some degree it's better to have rules that people try to skirt around and break behind the back and occasionally you're penalized like having no rules at all so we're we're just in an odd evolve i think good evolving good period i think it's better for players now than it was five years ago so that's good but i just think the ncaa needs to do its job okay this is a football playoff show we like talking about football so before we depart i will give you my national championship pick for this year shahan will you also provide that and i reserve the right to change it wherever else i might be uh, like by September, this is where I am right now. Would you also like to do that? Or as a national college football writer at CBS Sports, would you say, I'm not giving that out in some dying podcast. What are you doing? It's not dying. It's, 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 I'm a hiatus possibly for a little bit. <laughs> the, the the failing uh, college football survivor show. Um, well, I, I, I'll i do it here. But we all I think we also have to give our top four. We have to give our final four. Okay. Now I have to. So now I have to think a little bit more. This is actually more difficult because there is a particular thing that I have not wrapped my head around. Okay. That I find very, very difficult, and it's I don't know what's going to happen in the Ohio State Michigan game. Sure. And you can't make a playoff prediction out of the Big Ten without deciding who you think is going to win the Ohio State Michigan game. And so I have not decided that yet. <laughs> necessarily well, well listen listen we got like 10 minutes you got to decide it i know yeah you got to pull up your uh your v cavariccis and uh, and make a big pick man come on so i probably will was it z cavariccis i don't remember what it was no you got it right all right there we you go right? see that? we're back you got the jeans and i got the commish we're, we're learning <laughs> finally here at the Boom. last the last show we finally learned um okay i will see i find this odd i don't love this you know what I'll do that. I'll do that. And I'll do that. Okay. Great podcasting. I, 
I love I love raw podcasting on our the Ohio State show on Buckeye Talk. Like we're constantly planning the next podcast on the podcast, which again, like I think is interesting. Like behind the scenes, and I'm sure like ninety percent of the audience is like, "You are unprofessional ding dongs. What are you doing? Stop planning a podcast on a podcast." Okay, I think Florida State's going to win the national title. Okay, you're insane. And I, you're insane. I cannot get away from them. They have like 17 starters back. They have all this experience on the offensive line. They added Keon Coleman at receiver in the transfer to transfer portal to a really good receiver group. I like their backfield. I love Jordan Travis. I love Jared Verse on the defensive line. I think they have NFL talent throughout the defense. I like their corners. Like I just like everything about Florida State and their historic blue blood program that maybe has not been recruiting at that level in recent years, but they they help themselves in the portal. They have a ton back. And I think they have a path. I think they have a path also. Like, I think like they can beat Clemson and I think they can get there whether they beat LSU or not. I think like a one loss ACC champ Florida State is in probably. And then I like who they are, where they are in a world where I don't feel like the biggest dog in the SEC is quite as big as usual. Where normally... Right? Is that not how we do this here in college football? Huh? Who's your college football champion? Whoever you think is going to win the SEC. It's the easiest thing to do. But I'm not there with this season right now. So then if I'm not there with Georgia or Bama or LSU quite to that degree, and then you go to look, you certainly could find somebody in the Big Ten that you want to you want to throw your lot in with. The Pac-12, as we've discussed, is so muddled, I find it hard to ride with the team there all the way to a national title. I don't think the Big 12 is going to get there. So all of a sudden, the best team in the ACC starts looking pretty good to me. So I'll start there. I'm, I'm, I just think they're my pick right now. I, I just I feel like the way that we're talking about this team ignores the fact that they lost three games last year, that like they were a like good team that also lost to Wake Forest and an okay NC State team. Like, the Clemson loss is fine. That, that doesn't matter to me. But, like, they lost some games that weren't all that good. They played Florida within a touchdown, and Florida sucked last year. They played Oklahoma within three points. Oklahoma finished 6-7. and seven. Like, I I believe, I, I will say, I have Florida State in my four. They're my number four. I do think that they can get there. That game against Clemson on September 23rd is going to be huge. If they win that game, though, well, and then obviously they play the LSU game early. Those are like the two games of the season. We're going to figure out by week four whether this is happening or not. And I lean yes. I think that they probably lose somewhere along the road. It might be the LSU game, but I think they lose one along the road. But that gets me to four. Now... (sighs) The, the question that is interesting is, okay, let's just say for argument's sake that Georgia is not as good this year and that they're not a title team this year. Because right now, I'll tell you, I have Georgia as my one. I haven't finalized who I'm going to pick for the title. Well, I'll do that in a second. I'm leaning Georgia right now just because of what they bring back on defense and the trust I have in what they have on offense. So let's just say for argument that Georgia is not awesome. Well, I don't think that either of us are big Alabama or LSU believers. Like you said, I am a Michigan doubter as a national title team. I think that they can make the playoff again. Absolutely. I do not have them doing it. I have Ohio State as my number two. And I think that Ohio State certainly 
you think should be a title caliber team. But I mean, you're obviously around them much more often. I'm curious your thoughts on Ohio State independent of Michigan as well. And then with my number three, I'm going to go with USC. I, I think that USC is the team that comes out. But I, it's, it is so messy, right? Like, I feel like I just rambled there for, for five minutes. But like, that's kind of just like where my brain's at right now is that it's going to be really messy. Yeah, messy, which I think opens up, which is sure. why I'm okay going like with a non-SEC champ. I just can't see FSU being the one coming out of a mess. So here's so I guess here's my seeds. And this is this is sloppy too. I guess I'll make Michigan my number one seed. Okay. Undefeated Michigan. Okay. With an easy schedule and Ohio State at home. And the belief that I've stated many times that I think this will be the best version of Michigan. I'll make Georgia my two seed as undefeated Georgia. That I don't necessarily believe in Georgia, but you can go broke not believing in Georgia right now. So I'll make undefeated Georgia my two seed. And then I believe like that the Michigan win over Ohio State carries the day even beyond like Georgia beating Alabama or LSU in the SEC title game. Because otherwise Georgia's schedule is just not very good either. And then I will go with Ohio State third. That's Ohio mm. State beating Notre Dame, beating Penn State, beating Wisconsin, and then losing at Michigan in an 11-0 versus 11-0 game. And like an 11-1 Ohio State with some really good wins being a very compelling playoff contender. And then I'll go with Florida State as the four with a loss somewhere, whether it's to LSU in the opener or Clemson in the regular season or somebody jumping up and biting them. But they get revenge on Clemson or they whatever, beat Clemson a second time in the ACC title game. They are a strong ACC champ with one loss, but you look at Ohio State's schedule and it's a little bit better. And plus they don't want Ohio State and Michigan to play each other in a 1-4 semifinal. So then I'll take number four, Florida State, over number one, Michigan. I'll take Ohio State getting revenge on Georgia in that 2-3 semifinal rematch. And then I'll take number four, Florida State, over number three, Ohio State in the national title game. Wow. Wow. I mean, that would be insane, obviously. So so to take a step back, right, what do you feel about 2023 Ohio State as, again, put Michigan aside. Let's say that that's a non-factor right now because – Obviously, last year, I think that they were good enough to win the national title. If they make a field goal, frankly, they probably do. Um, although, I, I will say, I think that TCU would have matched up a lot better with Ohio State than they did with Georgia. I think that that was like a uniquely bad thing. But um, I do think that Ohio State wins the title if they make that field goal. And now they have to do it without C.J. Stroud. I am not the most sold on their quarterback situation, but I also don't think it matters that much. And defensively, they should continue to improve. I think getting Tommy Eichenberg back was a big deal for them. Am I often saying that if they get by Michigan, like Ohio State might be the best team in the country? So better defense than a year ago. Yeah. Just as good a receivers yes. because they're all back because Jackson Smith and Jigba was hurt all last year and Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best receiver in the country. Worse offensive line. Yeah. Re- real questions right now at the two totally. tackle spots. Better run game because they had so many injuries at tailback last year. Mm-hmm. And just assuming they have all the same guys back, led by Trevion Henderson and Mayan Williams. And if you just assume that they'll have one of those guys healthy for every game, which is, and last year they did. They got to the postseason and they didn't have that. They didn't have either of them for the Michigan game and they lost. They played a linebacker at running back in the Michigan game. They, Mayan Williams tried to go in the Georgia game and really couldn't. And they didn't have their best running backs in the Georgia game. So just healthier, better run game. 
And then lesser quarterback play, because I just don't think year one, Kyle McCord or Devin Brown is going to be as year, good as year two, CJ Stroud. So I think all those pluses and minuses might balance out to they're about the same in a very different way. They're better defensively. They don't have the breakdowns they did last year, but they're also slightly less able to just have a quarterback who's like, let's go. Fine. Put it on me. Let's go. But then they'll run the ball better. They were really held back by the lack of a run game last year. So I think in the end, the idea that was Ohio State good enough last year to win the national championship? Yes, I agree with you. So if I think they're going to be about the same, are they good enough to win the national championship again this year? Yes. They play four real games, three yeah. of them on the road, at Notre Dame, at Wisconsin, at Michigan, and they get Penn State at home. Are they going to win all four of those games? Wow. If they do, if they're undefeated, they're the one seed. Sure. Those are four real games. So I think you can think they're very good and also think they aren't going to be undefeated number one seed just because, man, if you go three and one in those four games, I think that's pretty good, which is what I would predict. And going three and one and being 11 and one is enough to get them in the playoff. Then if they're in the playoff, they got a shot. Yeah, and I think that's about where I'm at. I think that, first of all, like, man, Brian Day, you cannot lose three to Michigan, man. You can, you cannot do it. I don't think they will, but like, you can't do it, man. You can't do it. I, I, I am not like staking my claim that Michigan wins their third straight against Ohio State. Yeah. I think Ohio State and Michigan are two of the best four teams in the country, and I think it will be harder for Michigan to make the playoff at 11-1 and because their schedule's not as good. Yes. And it's in Ann Arbor, and I think Michigan's going to be better. So yes, I reserve the right to not think this on September 1st. I reserve the right to especially not think this on the last Saturday in November. But it is... How do you try to decide who's going to win a game between two of the four best teams in the country right now? I don't think Ohio State will lose that game because Michigan's in their head. I don't think they will lose that game because Ryan Day hasn't figured out the rivalry. But it's possible that Michigan is just really good and at home. So here, here's a very important question to me. So Comicor, Devin Brown, obviously competing for that job. Do you feel comfortable? This is this is me making this podcast about CJ Stroud again. Do you feel hey. comfortable that on third and three, if they run out four receivers and there is space, that whoever is starting at quarterback can run and take those three yards if they're there? Do you feel comfortable with that? More comfortable than with CJ Stroud. Okay. I think both Kaya McCord and Devin Brown are more athletic than CJ in that way. Yeah. And I also think they should just throw it to Marvin Harrison Jr. there and not run the quarterback. But yes, but if no, no, things but, but, break but down. If, if they're bracketing him, yes. if they're like trying doing yeah. everything to take it away, um, if they're overcommitting, right? Like that's that's what I mean, right? And Ohio State last year at times played 10 on 11. Like they did. And I've, you know, I've said it and it's, it's probably not fair. Right? Well, no, I, it's definitely not fair the way that I talk about CJ Stroud, but if Justin Fields was the quarterback at Ohio state last year, I think they win the national title. I, I just think they do. I think that the things that CJ Stroud struggled with are things that Justin Fields could do better. And we saw some of them in the Georgia game, right? Like we saw some of them come yeah. out and I was like, where was that? Why didn't you do that all the time? And so like the structure stuff, like they're not going to be as good as CJ Stroud, but like, I think that Ohio state under CJ Stroud was uniquely 
unpositioned to be able to deal with the not structure stuff. And mm. if, and when things went well, I mean, it was unbelievable, of course. Like, I, I still remember that, uh, that Michigan State game. It was 49 to seven. It ended up being right. Like, it was just, oh my gosh, that was like one of the greatest yeah. performances I've ever seen in my life. But like, when they got knocked off, I felt like they got in their head. And I think that some of that was a Stroud issue. And so I'm going to, this is very fitting that our last podcast I'm doing this. I'm going to pick Ohio State to win the national championship. Look at this. I'm going to pick Look. Ohio State to win the national championship. I'm going to pick Georgia. So I, I had Georgia, Florida State. That's going to be a good game. I think Florida State could win that game, but I'm going to lean Georgia. Then you've got Ohio State versus USC. Oh man, actually that is an incredible game. We better That's get fun. that game. That that will be. I will. I might have to. Oh gosh, actually I don't know if I can pay my own way to that game because I'm gonna have an eight month pregnant wife. But uh, hopefully, just uh, take her. Just take her to the game. Oh yeah, yeah. Game. People love traveling with their eight month pregnant wives. That's definitely something that people recommend. Uh, from what I understand, what playoff? Wait, actually we gotta we gotta look forward for a second. What what games uh, are in the playoff this year? Is there any chance that we're in the Cotton Bowl for that one? Because that one would be great for me. We could call uh, Bill Hancock and ask him to change it if that's not. <laughs> yeah, uh, what he's not doing is. very much these days. Um, Rose okay. Bowl and Sugar Bowl. Oh, man. That's not going to work for me. Uh, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'll be like, I'm oh, going to the national title games in Houston. The national title games in Houston. I did know that. So I will be at that at least. But yeah, that Lincoln Riley versus Ryan Day game will be awesome. And I want to give the context now that I think that Ohio State is better and should win that game. And that does not implicitly mean that I think that Ryan Day is better than Lincoln Riley, because that's a bigger conversation than just what's happening there. But anyway, anyway. I have Ohio State beating USC. I have Georgia narrowly beating Florida State. And I have Ohio State fairly comfortably beating Georgia in the national championship game to win the national championship. Everyone save this final podcast from mid-July and reference it <laughs> in early December when the playoff is announced. And when Florida State is seven and six. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, I know. I've been down that road before. I'm glad that predictions can't ruin your career. Unless I have it, I haven't realized it. Because um I don't know. It yeah. sounds like you're leaving a job. Was it voluntary? <laughs> they were like, listen, man, your predictions are so awful. We well, we to listened to the I was ruining our reputation show from 2021, and we just can't have you back, man. There's no way. That is, I should have done that on this final show, like the 10 dumbest things I ever <laughs> predicted in college football. Uh, Iowa State and the playoff would be one. And then and anyone who listens to me on Buckeye Talk predicting Ohio State to go nine and three in 2019 <laughs> in the first year of Ryan Day and Justin Fields will be on my tombstone. I mean, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Like Justin Fields coming in, like I don't want to be as dramatic as saying like saved. the, te- But like if that doesn't happen, man, <laughs> we are having some different conversations. You're doubting the Tate Martell era at Ohio State? Yes, I'm underway. very actively no, doubting the Fields Tate Martell era. I am very excited that I got the name Tate Martell into this final episode <laughs> of the College Football Survivor Show. All right, so that's it. Um, did you have fun? Shahan, just be honest. We recorded a lot of these podcasts in the morning when you and I were maybe both a little bit groggy, maybe both a little bit unshowered. Um, did you look forward to doing them or were you like, uh, I have to talk to Doug? <laughs> Well, the 8 a.m. podcasts are never the most fun for me, but 
uh no this was this was a blast and i think that you know we came in as i think kind of typecasts of two very opposite worldviews and uh when it came to how we viewed college football you know you were very much a a stars matter look at the very top end kind of thing and that's what i'm focused on uh you know i and i think for me right like i was very like show me what you've done. I don't want to just project because you're a high recruit and things like that. And I think that we've kind of like reached a little bit more of a balance to where you're picking Florida state to win the national mm. championship in your final show. That's yeah. insane. And I'm picking Ohio state to win the national championship in our final show. So I don't know. It feels kind of fitting. And uh, no, I think that the other thing too is Hopefully, again, we're still trying to work out the details of what's going to happen next with this show. But I think that in our own small way, I think we've made the discourse around the playoff a little smarter because it's not just saying, well, George is going to win. And that's the whole conversation, because that's not how we should talk about this. That's not how we should talk about a four team playoff. That's definitely not how we're going to talk about a 12 team playoff. The idea that the only thing that we should care about when it comes to the playoff is who's going to win it at the end is frankly insane to me. We could, I, I've gone back through. And honestly, if you look back, a number of the eventual national champions would have been rated number one in the AP poll when the season ended. So like we could have named our national champions via AP poll and had almost the exact same answers. That doesn't make the answers right or the process good. And so I think that we have talked the process better and and i'll tell you what too i remember when doug came and pitched me this podcast i'm like you want to get me to talk about the playoff all Mm. the time that does not feel very on brand for me but i do think that because of my weirdness and the way that i look at college football i think that again it's added to the playoff conversation and i think that we've reached kind of this like great happy medium of where we value a lot more than just let's look at the last recruiting rankings and say that that team's going to win the national title. And that's how we're talking about the playoff. No, I agree. And I think, I think that was actually worked out really well for us that it maybe wasn't the way you thought about it, which then helped the show. And I think helped you. And like, it it ended up like you take two things and it's like, I don't know, do they really fit together? It's like, no, like the friction makes it interesting. And so I think, I think that worked out really well. And I will say again, for people who have ever listened to me doing my Ohio State stuff, like I used to be like, I don't know who's on other teams. I don't cover other teams. <laughs> I cover Ohio State. It's like, hey, who is like, I'll figure out who's on the other team when they play Ohio State. Like I, sorry, I am sorry. a beat so writer. Which one of us two got to vote in the AP poll? Is that now? I don't think it was me. Yeah, I got kind of people got mad at me about that for a while. <laughs> so, um, so that idea. So like I'm yeah, and then it was like, oh, now I have a reason. Right. It's like, oh, now it's for my job. And I really like trying to figure out how good I think Washington's going to be and how good I think Florida State's going to be and how good I think Baylor and TCU and USC and everybody else is going to be. And it made it fun for me. So I hope it was fun for you guys. It certainly was fun for us. I'm very, very sorry that it's ending. It's not what I wanted to happen necessarily. It's not what I thought would happen, but just something popped up in my life. So, and I felt like I had to try that. So, Shahan, where can the people continue to find you? Again, Keep subscribed to this feed and we'll work on the plan. The people without me, will then they'll have a meeting and they'll say, thank goodness Doug is gone. Now we can really grow this. 
So we'll see. Keep this, but in the meantime, while we are not producing new episodes on this feed, where can the folks find you, Shahan? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Shahan J. Raja. You can read all of my work at cbssports.com. If you are interested in becoming the new co-host of this podcast, you can reach Doug at 614. No, I'm just playing. (laughs) I will vet. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, no, we're we're hoping that this can continue forward in some form or fashion. There's a lot of stuff swirling around right now at the company. And, you know, some of those things are a little bit more important than is Shahan going to have a co-host for this one podcast that we do. But I'm hoping that we can make it happen. I'm hoping that we can continue it. Uh, and yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. And look, if we get real if we lose this podcast because of realignment before the 12 team playoff, honestly, in some ways, it would be kind of fitting. Mm. Yeah, who am I in realignment? Am I Rutgers? Mm. Am I Rutgers? I'm Rutgers. Mm. That's that's, okay. that's a good you question. No, 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 I'm I'm, I'm not to USC. <laughs> I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Doug Lamarie. Maybe West Virginia, where it's it's like you know, it's kind of it's kind of weird. Just hanging out by myself, and having to travel two thousand miles to go to every game. Uh. At Doug Maurice, last name's L-E-S-M-E-R-I-S-E-S. I will be continuing to do some Ohio State podcast stuff. You'll be able to find me. And the reason that I'm leaving is, is a bigger show that we are not launching right now. But down the line, you'll be able to find me on YouTube and on podcast feeds uh, talking about national college football in a very, very specific way that we don't think is necessarily being talked about a lot of other places right now. And so that's why I'm leaving. Cause I felt like I can't pass that up. And, uh, you know, if I could take Shahan with me, I'd, I'd take him, but he money doesn't. talks, man. I might want to talks. Come on. I, I might want to strap myself to Shahan, but Shahan does not want to be strapped <laughs> to me. And he's laughing because it's true. So with that, I, I I can be uh, strapped into a plane straight into Ohio. That's what I've always dreamed of. Uh, I can't believe we did this podcast for two years and we never met in person. Not a single never time. Never met in person. <laughs> that will look for that whenever that may be. Maybe at the national championship game or something like there will be a moment. I'll be in Houston. I, I mean, I better meet. be in Houston. Man, they better send me to Houston. Although I will have, again, a nine plus month pregnant wife so you know we'll see how that all goes but it's only a four-hour drive i'll just I come can, to your house I can if be- i'm in houston i'll just come to your house okay okay fair while fair your enough. wife is pregnant oh, of, like course, of course yeah she'll love it she'll love it yeah <laughs> so look for that we'll have a photo uh someday of shahan and i in the same place but for now this is it uh could not be more grateful to you guys for listening and giving this podcast a chance could not be more grateful to all the work and insight and personality and charisma and smarts that Han Jeharaja brought to this show. Stick with this kid. He's going places. If you love college football, Shahan Jeharaja is going to be in your life for a very, very long time. And I look forward to that. Sorry. And uh, I'm an old guy trying something new. So I might be back begging Shahan for a job in like a year. So we'll see what happens. For now, thanks to Shahan Jeharaja, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.